talk all the time about Second City's evolution from a mom-and-pop establishment to a corporate behemoth. Now, if I had to point to one thing that drove this growth, it would be the creation of BizCo. Now, Second City had been sending actors out of town to do gigs for many years, using the touring companies to play colleges, regional theaters, and prisons. But as their profile grew and the name gained mainstream recognition, suddenly corporations came calling. Second City, and specifically main stage alum Joe Keefe, realized that you could charge a corporation three or four times more than a college by simply adding one or two custom sketches that dropped the CEO's name. This was transformational, as one gig led to another, and suddenly there was a need for a separate company that would handle the corporate work. From its inception until the day she left Chicago, Tracy Thorpe, our guest today, was the linchpin of Bizco. Thanks to her many years of touring, as well as her four Northwest reviews, there weren't many sketches that Tracy wasn't familiar with, and this knowledge was invaluable to the newbies who were being added to the stable. There were very few Bizcos that I did that Tracy wasn't on, and you could be sure that the more important the gig was to Bizco, the more likely it was that Tracy would be on the gig. If you know her, you know why. She's professional, courteous, low-maintenance, hilarious, and you just can't not like her. After writing that, I'm kind of amazed that they actually used me on any gigs for BizCo. But enough of me for a few seconds as I welcome one of my favorite second citizens ever, the always matching Tracy Thorpe. <laughs> I had to put it in there one more time, Tracy. <laughs> welcome. Thank you. Here. And, and I had a thought before we get into all this. The great, one of the great things about the anniversary show, the 50th anniversary show, was going back and having an opportunity to see some of these scenes done as they were supposed to be, oh, yeah. as they were written, um, and how much less hamming it up there was <laughs> in every single yes. scene. Steve Carell was so small at the 50th and everything he did and so hilarious. It was a real lesson that I totally oh, ignored. Yeah. Totally ignored after seeing oh, it. I used to make my cast go watch him when he was on main stage because he did the same perfect show every night if there were three people in the audience. Did it every night perfectly. Yeah, was, he's and, just so and, good. And and the you know the 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 geniuses. Again, this is like Mike. Uh, you know, I obviously have a high opinion of Second City and the people who work there, and Me it's too. like the NBA. So if you're if you're in the NBA, you're one of the truly like you anyone you meet in the street, you're going to destroy in basketball. You're one of the like one percent of the one percent of the one percent, and Second City kind of has that too. So when you are someone who's Keegan-Michael Key or or Carell or, or Colbert, mm -hmm. there's something that makes you Michael Jordan. Yep. Whether it's, you know, you know you didn't make the high school play and now I'm going to do everything to prove them all. <laughs> That's the Jordan <laughs> method. But there are other things that, that somehow separate the, these few from among the many talented. Give me your background. I, I mean, I didn't really realize how far back you went and, and, and what you got to see at Second City and kind of your pre-Second City experience, which is very interesting to me because it touches on a lot of the kind of the, the, the 80s comedy makers that I wasn't aware of. So let's get into uh, where were you born? Well, I was... We don't have to get the whole, <laughs> but, you know, yeah. it's just to I was know. born in the Quad Cities. Okay. And also not far from Chicago. Yes. And so we would go there, and we would somehow always stay right in Old Town. Like, I don't know if my parents were, you know, frustrated hippies or whatever, but they always, we always stayed there, and there was a Lums on the one corner and Second City, and then something other than Corcoran's and Last Act, yes. but some other old bar, name of a yeah. bar. And somehow we kind of, and that was when it really was an alley, so there was black like poster shops and yes. candle shops and I, I I vaguely remember that because I moved to Chicago in late '94 and but I went right to classes at Second City like like maybe within two or three days I, I they had an audition and I do vaguely remember now it's Piper's Alley is what it's called and it's a big all encompassing building right. glass and stuff but yes then it was there was a little walkway through brick stuff and there were yeah. some stores within there. And Incense then was, shops. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. and, and uh, yeah, I guess it was a little bit more of a hippy-dippy place then. Yeah. And the neighborhood certainly wasn't quite as gentrified as it is oh, now. Oh, no. In fact, the only other person I've ever met was Martin DeMont. Where Walgreens is now yep. was like this labyrinth of, of trees that somebody had made, like bushes, that I think was specifically designed for, like, 
drop acid, then go to this place. Like and an just acid try park? Try to find, out, find your way out. Yeah. And I've asked a million people. Martin is the only one I've ever met that was like, I know that. Nobody ever knows that. Oh, yeah. my goodness. Well, yeah. And honestly, Martin DeMott, uh, who's been passed away for a long time, he, you, you got to kind of trust anything he says about yep. Second City. So you had an early experience with Second City. You knew it. And, and tell me the name. Could you recognize the names of the people you saw? Well, when I was really you know little, I probably don't remember those people anymore. But um, it may have been like George went because I feel like the first time we watched Cheers that my dad was like, remember him? Oh, you wow. Know? But he did take me when I was really, really little yeah. a few times. Yeah, and that's the like late 70s, and I think. Yep. Yep, or even early Early 70s. 77 maybe is when went was Oh, there. he might have been there. Yeah, he, keeps we blow, he keeps pushing off the thing. Yeah. Mary Beth Monroe, Naima Funk, and uh, George Went. I'm saying it in your episode. They've been difficult to schedule. But I've got oh, them all coming in. Oh, good. Uh, yeah. Oh, good. Yeah. <laughs> they get work and shit, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I was wide open. You got work. Okay. No, anyway, you did get work. anyway, anyway. So, uh, yeah, I I don't probably remember specifically the very early, but sure. he he had such reverence for it that that was Your where father. I yes, yeah, so where I got that. my reverence from the very beginning for it. And then um, when I moved to Chicago in the early '80s, that's when. I saw like Megan Faye and Lance Kinsey yes. and all the and Danny Breen and Hags and everybody was on main stage and I would just go by myself because I didn't know anyone. I just moved there and I just wanted to soak it all up and they were such a great cast. Oh and, yeah. Oh my God. Every set I would go for the sets. Yes, because you can go were, for free for the sets. You still can, folks, unless they've changed that, but I don't, I don't know. <laughs> but I can actually remember specific things from them from back wow. then. Give yeah. me one of the specific well, things. Well, like you remember. Megan Faye once was doing this character where one leg was longer than the other. And so she was just hobbling around on stage oh. and nothing was about that. It wasn't at all referenced in the scene at all, but it was just a character choice that she used that was fantastic. And Lance Kinsey is still one of my very favorite yes. people. He's oh, he's so, so no, he's he's great. Oh my god, he would get the giggles on stage. <laughs> I just loved him so much. I still do. You're you're in, you're just what are you doing in Chicago? Uh, at that time, I think I was probably waiting tables like everyone. Um, but I would I would go there a lot. I would go to the Chicago Comedy Institute, which was that old church that was. Is that the Athenaeum? No, uh, I gosh, I haven't been in Chicago so long. Sure. I forget what it was, street even, it was. But, but it was in an old church. It that was had been converted. that they converted. And, and who were those folks? Jeff and Jane, Jeanette Schwaba, um, Evan Gore, like. Just all great, great, great people to watch and really study and see. And this is when, you know, I'm coming with a theater degree. And I had one instructor in college, Joseph Martinez, and he always said, you know, you need to go check out Second City. I think that's going to be what you do. And so I had that in the back of my head, and off I went. And then I just tried to absorb as much as I could once I got there with everybody. And and it's so nice, like, that happened. That's happened a lot to people. Where someone who knows what Second City is, like a lot of us, I, I moved to Chicago kind of on something like that. Also, the guy needed a roommate, but it said the Second City, and I didn't know what it was. And it was meant you should do Second City. So it's like people who kind of have an awareness are the scouts for Second City, <laughs> yeah. just randomly telling people, that, you know, they're they, they're benefiting from their their reputation, I suppose. Uh, and so many of us, it's like, everybody's a comedy scout, I guess. And they're like, yeah, do you, thank God they're not, you should do SNL. Yeah. Which okay. they also say, you know, but, uh, at least these people understand that you can go do second. Yes. Yeah. They don't offer classes at SNL yet. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so you, uh, are you doing the classes? I wasn't You're yet. Just watching. I, I think I was scared in the beginning. Like I just found it intimidating. It like, can be. And what are they doing at the Chicago Comedy Company? Are they doing improv and kind of Second City yep, style stuff? Yep. Yep. Right. I, I feel like it was more pure <laughs> improv, but you know, it's a million years ago, so sure. my memory could be wrong, and and they could correct me. But um, I feel like it was more because then I remember just thinking like, wow, improv can be its own art form. This is so exciting. And ah, you're having the, the, the revelation Dell had. Yes. And in fact, 
during that time, so when I first moved there, I moved from a company. When I was in grad school, I auditioned for this traveling improv. Yeah, sketch yeah, you mentioned that. Show. Tell me yeah. that. What's it called? They they were called Laughing Stock. <laughs> you know, Could the eighties, and I don't know. <laughs> you you just think like all those names were up there, and they went, yeah, that one. Anyway, um, and they were very very talented. They were out of ISU. I wasn't. I had gone to Western Illinois University, but they were all. Illinois State other. folks. Yep. Okay. And they were very, very good and talented. They have a great theater program there. And so they had all formed during that. And they needed a woman. And so <laughs> I auditioned. And one of the guys I knew from back in the Quad Cities. So he was the one that sort of said, come audition. So I did. I ended up getting it. And we did the same thing, the college circuit. Yes. And they had really good material, like fail safe, actor safe material. Really? Very good, and and then we we did Improv Olympia back in the day. Okay, so let's let's <laughs> let's slow down because these are these are I'm loving this, and I you know if you're not listener, <laughs> but this is this, line. but no. the, but this is um, to shape the I'm trying to also shape the history of comedy in Chicago at this time, and these these institutions were not around in the '90s when I got there, but they had kind of set the the stage. Uh, the touring company that you mentioned, Laughing Stock, did that go away? Did Second City absorb or no? We we actually Sharnet became sort of our little manager for a while because she we we somehow I guess we were performing at Cross Currents and that's where they were doing Improv Olympia back then and it was more of a competitive thing back yes, then. Yes, so let's get into what Improv Olympia is. Um, again, I lo- I love hearing about the pre Improv Olympic pre-IO days, I know that they lost the Olympic name because the, no one is as litigious as the Olympic Committee, which is ironic because they're so fucking corrupt. <laughs> uh, and that's how they lost the name Olympic. Right. I wonder if they had kept Olympia, which is a shittier name, if it could have stuck. Yeah, I don't know. I felt like the, there was a reason that got changed, but well, maybe I'm Well, I think wrong. Olympia probably had people... Confuse like Olympia is not as specific to the competitive element as Olympics. Yes, that's true. And you, well, you t- you tell me about your early days at uh, Improv Olympia. Was David Shepard at all around? Yep. Okay. Yep. And uh, for some reason, we were doing. Sharna would take us into the upstairs of Cross Currents and have these classes with us because I don't know that any of us had been formally trained. We were just doing what we picked up here and there. So she was training us. She brought in David, I believe, another guy that I feel really bad because I don't David. remember. Uh, David Shepard. David Shepard. Oh, who, um, I, who I just met. She Great. brought <laughs> and and Dell, and then one other man that I feel really bad that I don't remember his name. Oh, but, wow. But he also came in. And, and as an instructor. Right. So David Shepard, Dell, and Mystery Man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he, in fact, that's when Dell came. I think he only came once, but he it was the Herald that we worked on that night. And I was sort of familiar with it because a guy, John Mayer, not the singer, but uh, another a person right. in Chicago who's gone on to do great things. And, and anyway, he had come to my college and introduced the, us to the Herald. Ah. And so we put together some little, what well, uncomfortably numb was our name <laughs> back in college. Uh, I, so will <laughs> never, I will never... Uh, dis a, a Pink Floyd reference. Yes, exactly. Anyway, and that's what a college improv yes. uh, group <laughs> yeah. name. So that was my first exposure, and he, and he had brought the Herald to us, and and but you know it's like game of telephone. It's it always, is it uh, changes yes, not, a little, and, and so. even the Herald. Uh, what we're talking about is kind of a amorphous thing, anyway. So yeah, when you're playing telephone, and these these are really you were probably you know amongst the the very first colleges to kind of get this experience. That's happening at this time. Dell's going, when he's sober enough, is going out to colleges. Sharna and David Shepard. So I, so you precede the Sharna shift from David Shepard to Dell. Dell was just working as a workshop guy here. Interesting. That's, it's interesting because I don't know many people who worked with Shepard, but I knew he had done this kind of competitive improv thing. With right, him. and then later put me in a little experimental film he did that was really great oh i don't know for sure if it was because he remembered me from back then but i remembered him and david shepherd is he second city isn't he yep yeah well yeah i guess i i don't really know Uh, definitively but but i I think he and dell and those guys were all kind of bopping these ideas around 
And I do think there was a competitive kind of inventor's element to these guys because, as it turned out, David Shepard kind of falls off to the wayside and Dell comes in and, you know, Dell certainly had an ego and and maybe didn't have room for, for sharing the, the creation of improv, which he didn't really do either. Josephine Forsberg uh, taught Sharna Yes And. Oh, my gosh. So That's a nugget. Yeah. Uh, so... Improv Olympian, and what are those shows like? Uh, well, uh, the ones we did with that, I think we only did a couple, and it was where you would, I can't remember if we did our own material, to be honest with you, it's so long ago, but we would, you would be against an, against another company yes. and, and get sort of scored and right. stuff. Right, really I, I believe there were three categories. Maybe, yes. Because... This really caught on. I was talking in another element uh, to, to a Canadian second citizen, and they, they, there was something called the cage match that made it up there years later. That was at IO2, and it was like a reintroduction of the old school, what Improv Olympia was. Oh, wow. And the thing that I, I realized in, in kind of talking to him, it was very successful. Because you're bringing audiences. It's the, it's the equivalent of a stand-up bringer show. And I was like, well, how did they ever abandon this? And I, Dell may have had something to do with it because he was working on this group mind thing. And a competitive thing doesn't seem to match with a group mind thing. Right. So all that, although that competitive element may have been what really brought them to prominence because I know that Improv Olympia did a Southern Comfort comedy tour where they had these I've groups. i that, yep. I know this because uh, Blue Velveeta, which is a group with Kevin Dorff, mm-hmm. Jay Leggett, Susan Messing. Legendary. That was the winning team. And they went around and played other teams and did this. Brian McCann, one mm-hmm. of the funniest people in the world, was on that. And, and, and they would go around the country, I guess, doing these kind of competitive uh, improv. That was like the first big gig, I think, Sharna got for that. And, and, but then very shortly thereafter, that went away, and it was just the teams performing. Yep. And then sometime during that, she, I, I mean, I don't want to speak for her, but I think she liked what this little company did, our material. Yeah. So she started booking us at, like, the Snuggery in Elmhurst or whatever. A comedy place or whatever? Yeah, we would go do these little shows out in the suburbs. And, you know, at the time, we had moved. I, when I auditioned and first worked with them, because we toured, we were based in Bloomington Normal. And then we all sort of, some of them were from Chicago, so we migrated to Chicago. It seemed like the next step. Better than them moving down to Bloomington. Exactly. Couldn't get the world to go there. Um, so we started doing open mic. So to suddenly get, you know, a $10 a show. Yes. We were, it was like, wow, this is really something. Yes. You kind of covered gas, but it was okay. But what she did is she would bring us to go do these shows. And at one point, we're at intermission, and one of the guys is approached by one of the people, because it was like a singles club or something that we yeah. were performing for. And the guy was like, you know, we'd like to make this a regular thing. Is is there any way you guys would ever do it for less than 800 though? We were getting 60 as a company. company. Yeah. So it was a good little yeah. profit maker. Yeah. And I just remember. So she was paying less than 10% to the six people and keeping 90 plus percent for the one. Yes. Now that's I producing, was, folks. It's, it is good producing in a way because you think about it, it's like, wow, that's smart on her behalf. We were hurt at the time because it was just like, I mean, we were paying gas to get back and forth yes. so it was like just give us a little bit more well but and, and i understood we wouldn't have gotten anything without her so it's yeah you got to look at it that way too like we really wouldn't have and she got us exposure she got us gigs we that's got the us producer's s- mindset so. absolutely but I, I i and 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 for a long time that and still in this improv community that permeates you know yes. opportunity and 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 that uh, the, uh, the groundlings is built on that and it's true mm-hmm that you do get that opportunity from that place. You do get a manager if you're in the Sunday company. So, the, the, you know, they talk the talk and they walk the walk there. Everywhere else, it's not necessarily that way. And, you know, the days of, of just being happy to have the work are gone. And what Sharna should have done was make sure none of you find out how much she's getting paid. Yes. And it was, it was so random. But in fairness, Most I, didn't. did you ever see a Second City tour check? 
Oh, no. Oh, yeah. And, I and did it, one time. You did? Okay. And I, I couldn't honestly tell you what it was right now, but it blew our yeah. minds. It, it was probably like a $20,000 thing. Th- I want to say 35000 but I could be wrong, But it because it, it was a long time ago. But that's the figure I have in my head, and I just remember we were blown away. Was it a college? It was a college. Okay. So there was a glory days, and I think it, I don't know about today, but up until 2011, when Tim Meadows and Brad Morris and I were, were doing tours with Uncle's brother, we were still doing, we were getting college $20,000 gigs because colleges have these funds that are like, you know, for entertainment and stuff like that. And it's a big fund at some of these colleges and the people making the decision are 20 years old. Yep. And so you're able, they don't know the $35,000. They're like, yeah, we got $35,000. And maybe they assume you're all getting paid $1,000, which would be more than fair Mm -hmm. instead of $80. (laughs) But that is absolutely true because laughingstock at that time, which would be 81, two, somewhere in there, we were actually the only, I shouldn't say the only, but at at that, um, I want to say it's called NAPA or something. NACA. NACA. Thank you. Yep. Uh, we were the only other improv sketch group with them, so we were competing with them. And, yeah. of course, they had their price, so we got so many gigs through that. That were under. Yes, because we were we just were happy if we made 100 a show. We were thrilled with that. So we were way under. And I do know that with the college thing is they're given that certain amount. If they don't pay use it, it goes away next yes. year. So they're all about they spending, care. spending, and you're and right. It's God. children making the yes. decisions. And, and I'm sure that's been taken away by now. Probably. Uh, uh, now that college has just become, you know, yeah. only a money-making thing. Yes. So, But but you were there, and they're doing the eye, uh, and you find out that you're vastly underpaid. Yeah. Did that end the touring? It we, I, I think it was our last show with her. Or I think we finished out. We had maybe another one, and we did it, and then we had sort of a confrontation of, like, our, why we thought it was unfair. And I'm sure her opinion was like, well, then I don't do any gigs, people. and yeah. then you'll have zero. Yes. You know, so, and I don't blame her for that. But anyway, about that time, I also auditioned for Practical Theater Company, which was up in Evanston. So yes. then that sort of took me away from that company, and that company sort of dissipated around the same time. Sure. And so... Uh, and Practical Theater Company, tell me about that now. Well, it was... I loved it. It was a really great experience, really great people. They were all Northwestern. I yes. was the only non-Northwestern person. God. We did our very first that I had ever heard of, uh, all-female review. Whoa! Called Hularama. And this Linda, like, Linda Berry did our posters, which was a really big get because then she was so peaking right then. Do you okay. remember Linda Berry from The Reader? Yeah, That really funny four-panel. Yes. Yeah. So she did our poster, and I think that was a big get because it did bring it in a lot people of people. In. Wow, and it they ran were... for a very, very long time, and it was really, really fun to do. Who, who all was in that? Well, like Eileen Getz, Jackie Krupka. Um, God, I'm... Oh, it's a okay. thousand years ago. But and these were a all bunch North- of really, really talented And women. Northwestern uh, folks. Yes. Don't worry. They're all yes. producers and stuff now. So, <laughs> yes. they, they, you know. I'm sure. And none of them listen, so it's fine. <laughs> uh, but they were, uh, what year is this? This would have been like 82, 3. Wow. Yeah. Okay, yeah. because there's been, you know. Like, there's been these mo- movements, and, and it's always, you know, initially eyes rolled by the guys and, and sh- of, of, like, women groups that perform, mainly because they're tired of having people walk into their seats. <laughs> <laughs> Guilty. Uh, I'm helping. Just helping, and I'm going to stay. And now it's my scene. Um, so, wow, 82 you guys were doing that. Yep. Good on you. Yep. And good on them because I I just auditioned for them, but they they put it together and and they were already formed. I don't know if they. Oh, I do know. It was Isabella Hoffman had my part and then got ETC. Okay. So that's they were auditioning for Is one Isabella role. Isabella Hoffman Northwestern too. I believe so. I could be wrong. No, it's good. But it I've makes associated sense. because she was with that company, so maybe I have that wrong. But I Man, think they so. Do, they just produce incredible actresses. Yes. Yeah. They have a great, great theater program. And so, yeah, so then I did that. And then right after that, with the same practical theater company I did, um, it was a hilarious long name of, like, Diamond Jubilee and Cakewalk or something. We did that at the Metro. 
Wow. And uh, know, which is a big uh, music venue in Chicago. Yes. And Julia Louis-Dreyfus, I know, was another woman in it. And I know at least one night Jim Belushi came by ah. and didn't <laughs> because I remember he took my prop glasses, which were sunglasses, Ray-Bans, my okay. dad's originals, and popped the lenses out to go be a nerd in a scene. And I... <laughs> I've never gotten over it. <laughs> so that's my memory of I that. I have a good Jim Belushi story <laughs> about nerds and glasses and me. <laughs> I got to get him on the show so we could talk about it. He, he yeah, yeah. Anyway, uh, who's, he said to somebody about me, he's like, who's this guy? You edited me out of the scene, this guy with the glasses. So clearly nerds is something that sticks in his head. Uh, and, I, and I've been called a nerd a lot of times. Uh, so... You're doing shows at the Metro. There's, it seems like, you know, there's all this independent stuff that's preceding these theaters kind of getting established. Uh, uh, and all these same people, though, are doing their stuff independently, getting it together, putting, getting their money together. Right. Um, and so where does Second City come into play here? Now? Right around the mid-'80s, I would say, I took class, started with the Level 5, and back then it was a... Real level five, like yeah. five classes that yes. until you did the show. Not five A, B, C, D. Right. <laughs> yeah. It keeps growing. Level um, two X. <laughs> and uh, I did, I went through those, but of course, you know, you just think, then I'll finish and I'll get hired yes. and that'll be the, and of course that didn't happen immediately. So then uh, people that I knew back then, we all formed a group and did a show at the Roxy and we incorporated, um, uh, multimedia. We yeah. had television screen, like big oh, screen like that, with, that we did tape pieces and did. And at the time, that was very innovative. Absolutely. So the critics were very kind to us and made a big deal out of it. So then I got on Second City's radar. From that show. Mm -hmm. So Joyce, I would guess, is the person kind of whose radar you're getting on at yeah, this time. Yeah, I think Cheryl might have even come to that show. There was somehow when I got called to come audition and then you know, I, the fear had to go away because I was always like, I don't know if I can audition. Right, <laughs> They right. didn't ask me right away, so maybe I don't have it. And so I did go and I had that, you know, the three through the door kind of audition. Well, that's different. <laughs> so then they, again, I just was talking to Al Samuels about when he auditioned, which was before when I auditioned, and, and they've, they've been... They've been adapting and changing their right. audition process. So three through the door, I'm glad you mentioned that. <laughs> First time I ever saw T.J. Jagodowski was playing that game at the Improv in Chicago. Mike Lucas uh, got access to it after hours, and we did improv games there for a while. I'm glad I didn't quit when I saw T.J. It's like, who the fuck's this <laughs> kid? It's good. Really good. <laughs> He's really good. Re like, right away. <laughs> like uh, Nobody knows who he is. He looks younger than everyone, and he's doing stuff that we didn't do. I don't like him. And he's a Red Sox fan. <laughs> anyway, that was how I thought that. Uh, uh, but Three Through the Door is just an exercise, and it's still a good exercise, where actually it'd be great groundlings exercise, where you just you walk, you do you enter as a character, you do a little bit, you go back, you go through the door again with a different character. There's a hundred different ways to do this, and then you go and do a different one. This kind of shows your range, maybe, right. at the time. But I, I think as improv started to become, and as the long form started to get more influence, their auditions would become more like, here's eight of you, you've got 20 minutes to do kind of a, a montage, and leave it all more to you. And that just signals that the advancement in improv had gotten more um, savvy and, and, I don't know, complicated, but just, you know, had more technique to it well and also i think because some of us that had gone through it were now in the room auditioning and we were like this is how you get better to work out of people because we knew what yes. worked and what didn't and yes. what made people slip through the cracks yes right and, and, and yeah because an improv it's never no audition is perfect but an improv audition has a lot of things that can skew the results, if you if you will, and now I believe they do writing sample. They real, you know, yeah. as they should probably if they're this big, you know, big money company. I uh, did remember talking to Joyce once, long after I had been hired, and she pointed out this was so weird too. Sure. On the way, I had to. I was working at a publishing company when I had the audition, and I had to jump in a cab and go to the theater to be on time, and. 
I had a cab driver who was like, where are you going? Just chatty guy. And I said, and he did a whole thing about how nobody ever gets hired. How many people? They do like hundreds of people at a time. And well, you know, <laughs> and it was just a whole thing. So they had asked me something in the audition about, and, and because it had just happened, I just naturally, like when I talked to people, played both people yeah, in yeah, yeah, the yeah, story. Yeah. And she told me later that was a thing that really sold the panel because ah. she was like, you were just like in the moment talking about a real thing that had just happened and it sold us on you. So. You were genuine. You were yourself. Yes, and that you one time. Well, but yeah. no. <laughs> but that's, and that's, a, that's, you go into an improv audition, what do they want to see? Now thinking that's the worst thing, but it's hard to help but do that because if you're trying, it's, you know, it's, if you're, you can't script improv. And so if you're trying to preconceive what they're looking for or whatever, and that's always, again, and that's, this was Dell's thing, be yourself or some version of that for the best improv because it'll be natural. And I think that's what Viola Spolin, when she kind of created it, it was to be a theater of the people, mm -hmm. to like plumbers up there with librarians and doing their thing and reflecting real life. Right. And back then, besides Three Through the Door, you got paired with one other person to do a little scene. Okay. So God forbid. Right. Who well, you got paired with. That's, that's you know, that's the, that's the luck of the draw. Yeah. But anyway, she said, you know, we'd like to have you come. And you then, say I like Joyce? <laughs> no, no, I can't. There's sure. too many people that do it perfectly. <laughs> it was Cheryl anyway. Okay. But she, but I still do have that cassette somewhere because I love it so much. Yes. It was just the greatest thing in the whole wide world to come home and hear that. And so, but then at the same time, Joyce had gone to Canada and saw Nia Vardalis in the show there and fell in love with her and wanted to bring her down. So the spot I was about I to jump into. Yeah. I I had now it was like it's still going to happen but it's going to be a little longer and it ended up being about a year. But it works in the long run because I still went every Monday to sure. those home shows cuz I thought any minute they're going to and they did call on a Sunday night to go in on a Monday. <laughs> And what they handed me, I was still at the publishing company, and I had to go there and get this pamphlet of scripts because yeah. they're like, we don't know what the running order is. It's oh, going to so be they something. Oh, the whole thing. Oh. Learn them all. Look at all the latest parts. Scariest thing in the whole wide world. But because I had been going to those shows, I was at least familiar enough that I could improvise through them, and I was still scared to death. I remember sure. that night just I was in the wings with Stephen Colbert, my first show, and it was he and I were going to be in a weird scene called Them, I think was the name of it. Is this a tour co show you're yes, going to? Yes, Monday okay, night. So the Monday, show. great. So and I tour. remember just being like petrified. And Stephen just grabbed my hand and was like, let's go have fun. And I have never forgotten that because it was like, oh my God, that's right. It is not brain surgery. Yeah, we get to go just to have a really great time right now. And that's and when it's it great. Was. The, they were so supportive and so great. That was a great cast. That was, you know, uh, Greg Holloman, Danello, Amy. I mean, it was really, really fun. And that good cast, cast went on to work for 20 years. They, to this day, they work together. I know. All of them. Which is where I'm going to delineate for a second. I think that was such an important thing that was happening that stopped at some point. Is well, I can, I'll tell you when it did. Tour moved together. Oh, I see. You're saying just that the company stayed together longer. I think it was something that really worked back when they did that. Sure. They had a company that moved together and then through the resident, and they had. They knew everything. They knew how to set each other up. They knew how to take care of each other and make each other look good and all the things. And then when it just started being throwing random yeah. people. It, it, well, I think anyway. what happened, it, but I don't know if it was possible to do it that way because people start moving at a different rate and everything like that. That was what was nice about Northwest, though. Yeah. Is it, that's exactly where you could do something like that is to take this touring company, put them in a slightly lower pressure environment, and let them just cook together. Yeah. And what that ended up producing was they would then go to the ETC, and and there was a little bit of mixing and everything, but you've got, let's say, instead of a t company of six, you've got a company of ten yeah. who are kind of all familiar with right. each other in one way or the other. And through that run, you know, that was an incredible run of talent there. Small enough. So you are, it took a long time, as I, as I said, to, to, finally get into uh just understudying a show right and then uh 
You didn't screw it up too bad, apparently. I guess not. And so then were you in a touring company after pretty that? Pretty quickly. Okay. Pretty quickly. It wasn't immediate. I did a couple more fill-in, you know. Of the, I don't know what was happening right then, probably with movement to stages or something, but because I ended up working with all three different touring companies. Okay. So you um, were kind of you were yeah. the utility person. Right. And now in your notes that you sent me, and we'll, we'll talk about you touring and then doing Northwest, but I want to point out something that is kind of of the time where you said there was a big backlog of women at the time. So it was hard to, and there was a backload back of talent altogether, really. And thank God again for that Northwest Theater to, to siphon some off. But they could have gotten some more of those women if they went to different numbers. So right. I know that you wrote it like that, and it just struck me again because I think, you know, I was there a little more when they were trying that stuff mm -hmm. that... It wasn't that there was a backload of women necessarily. It was that they were only getting two out of the six right. slots each time. That's it. So. And they did try it. They did, in fairness, there was an ETC show, the um, Old Town, uh, I can't remember the name of it, but it was sort of loosely based on... Um, oh, Our Town. Our, our Town, yes, sorry. Yes, it was an and or. <laughs> old, it, was a, it was an or title. Old as me, trying to say Our Town, yes. Uh, and, yeah, so they did put three women in there, and then we, it was sort of like, this is going to happen now. Yeah. And yes. So, but but it, it did, and, it, it you know, there was resentment at the time because women were wanting to, of course, I want to get every... That, I, I think, is one of those things in that building that I always tried to tell later when I directed... Don't have it be about getting where you're going. Be where you are because, it, it you know, you remember T Turco ends up being, like, the biggest blast. So it's like I never yes. liked that it was always about getting a stage, going, going, got to get to main stage. It's like love where you are, and I know it's easier said than done, but yeah. that is it, I Turco think. is more of an adventure. Like, like main any of the stages are fun as well. There is a grind element to it. And not that there's not a grind to all the shitty travel and stuff like that, but it is more of like an adventure. Now, into your Northwest day. So you toured. Yeah. I need your version <laughs> before we move to Northwest. <laughs> and then Bizco, shit. I need your version of the Turco van crash oh gosh because you were on it yes. i got a version from Susie nakamura i'm not going to tell you anything she said but i would like to have your version. okay well yes okay so it was a day off and i wanted to go to the hot springs so i kind of talked everybody into that i think ah, and fault. yes <laughs> my fault no i i somehow brought it up because i found out about these hot springs and sure. we're gonna go and let me say every tour co has a you who no one will do anything but sit in their rooms if somebody's like, hey, you know, we could do this. You know, the kind of the mother of each tour code. <laughs> there are these roles and stuff. And so you Well, you, you know that. who I learned that from is Michael Bro. Did you ever know him? I know. He a was stage a stage manager. manager. He, because he, especially on that west side of the country, we would have always two vehicles. And so he would always, the night before we were going to travel somewhere, if you want to leave at 7, we're going to go see these really cool rocks in this one place. Or you can sleep in and go till at noon, and we'll meet yeah. at the... So the tourist I love van it. I thought the we're touring the country. Of course, see every cool thing you can. And mention, you did all 50 states. I did. And, you know, I didn't do Alaska till later with the, with the ship. Katie Cawson did a ship and said... Can you come? We get a guest during the time I'm on it. And I was like, yes, because it's Alaska. And that's nice. the one I didn't get to. So. But it was on a Second City gig. Yep. So I did it. I love, yeah. That's All right. my one little claim to fame there. I wish I would have gotten some little some magnet they should. or they something should. from each. No, no, I mean me when Just I was going yourself. to all of them. Oh, saving like a little thing. At uh, the little get and go, you know, a, yeah. a globe or a magnet or something. Anyway, so we were going up a very... One of those sheer, you've probably did the ski. I didn't do, didn't, I didn't get, oh. no, the year I toured uh, was, uh, they didn't give us any. I'm so gigs. sorry. It's all right. I went three times. I know. Anyway, um, they are sheer, like, where you cannot I've see been the to, I've been to the Rockies, yeah. and it, you don't like driving there. Yeah. It was in Montana. We were going up a road, and we overshot it. We realized, you know, like, I think it was back a mile or something. I think we went past it. And so the driver decided to turn around on the mountain road and hit black ice, and we <laughs> were just heading to what we knew was an endless bottom, like it's forever, and we left, and I remember I was dating a guy in my cast at the time, and as we left the roadway, 
he went, here we go. And I, I fell in love with him in that moment because oh. I thought anybody that just is like, here comes death. What's next? Now, I that story thought, was legendary. <laughs> and Susie did a great, here we go. Yeah, yeah it, was, it was literally like, oh, my God, because we thought we were all going to our death. Yes. What we end up doing is flipping and there was just one little ridge that was out with one tree on the end of it. We flipped and landed on that ridge, and then it started moving so that we were going to keep going because it was still <laughs> moving. And that little tree, which came through the glass the and window, the window yeah. and everything, um, the guys all got out the back of the van. And actually, she, I don't know if she remembers this part, but she got pinned under the front seat. She was in the front, yes. yes. And so, and the guys are all like, whoa, that's too bad. And so I remember getting back in the van Shimming on the floor, which was now the or the roof was which was Tracy now the floor, <laughs> and I got her out of there, and we got out, and just as we got out, it shifted again. It was the scare. I mean, it is the it, no, it didn't t- end up going all it the way. It didn't end okay. up going. That little tree somehow in the snow. Like I think yeah. it got wedged in between the snow and the tree, and somehow didn't go down the rest of the way. But it is the only time that I remember in my life where I was positively about to die like it just was here we go like we really thought this is it because we saw where we were going and there's no way anybody survives that but we did you did it's a miracle and then from that you go to uh northwest yes and give me your northwest experience Uh, northwest i was lucky enough to go in immediately after opening because that was uh uh, Elisa Shalowitz at the time was her name, married to Peter Marietta. Okay. We're moving out here. And so she had just opened a show, but they were about to go. So I happened to be the next in line and got her spot right when they opened. So I got to run that whole run. When they opened Northwest? The uh, very first or no, just the, it had a been, show? Yeah, okay. opened a show because there had been a cast before, or a couple cast before, I, mm-hmm. I think. Anyway, um, and then... Wrote three more out there. And Cheryl was in charge. Cheryl Sloan yep. was in charge of Northwest. Yep. And did she get to pick the casts? Because the casts of Northwest are, uh, it, was it just who was around? In the, they were great casts. I'm sure she had say, and I think the directors had the or, most say. Yeah. yeah. And and was the plan to use it, uh, was it like a, a, a proving ground? A we're, we're considering these folks for stages, and we'd like to put them in this. I think so, yeah. yeah. I mean, it worked out pretty yeah, well. Yeah, would have been smart. I wish they would put it back. Yeah, uh, I, I think they do need that because it is that, uh, you know, you would know in baseball where they, the farm, farm team. team. Yeah, absolutely. And the Toricos are that, but, that, again, to mimic the stage experience. Yes. A Northwest would do that. You do the rehearsal process and, and everything. And you get that horrible first, first show. show out of Again, it's that's what I was able to do at Boom. Thing when you do it the first time. Like, I you think don't know shit what's I wrote, happening. I didn't know how to write scenes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I wrote one like that was just a, oh, God, it doesn't even matter. They're so bad. <laughs> yeah. I still have them, though. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm going to edit them and make them better <laughs> when I get back at Boom Chicago. <laughs> So you did the shows there and enjoyed that. And then I, I this was, you know, something I said was going to be the focus, but we're just going to do five minutes here. But Bizco, because, go ahead. No, well, give me I anything have, you got. I, because this, Jill, just love, because I know you touch on yeah. actors equity we might, sometimes. You know, and let me just say, no, we might end up doing a Bizco episode later. We'll talk a little bit about it, but we've, do, we've gotten so much great stuff here. <laughs> so give me your equity story. Well, because they're my friend enemy. they had... They had decided they were going to let me go out of Northwest. Uh, Northwest, and which, of course, heartbreaking. At the time, I was like, no, I'm just getting it. Um, and then I called Equity because I thought I, uh, there's no, it's like not even the show's not finished. It's just like they're saying goodbye. And I did have, I will say, I've, I will always love them. It's like Carell, Atsit, Nia, Fran. I, I think Allman. Anyway, this group of people went into Andrew and actually pleaded for my job, which I will love them forever for that. And I think it did make a difference. But I also called Equity. And <laughs> I, a person who later worked at Second City, I'm not going to name names, but that is who I was my person to call at Equity and say, like, this is happening. What Do I have any? Not like, Susan DeGracia. No. Oh, like a Second City actor mm. or just work somewhere else. Never mind. I'll tell you yes, later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, they know who they are. They were working there, 
And they said, yeah, they can't do that because they have to pay you for the rest of the run of the show. And they did the, they said, when's it closing? And all, they did the math and it was thousands. So it was like, which they'd also have to pay your replacement. Yeah. And so he was like, you know, you're, you're going to be okay. You'll at least get this, you know, stipend or whatever. So, uh, or severance or whatever. And, uh, Next thing I knew, suddenly I had my job back, and that person was working in the offices of Second City. Well, now that's good business. (laughs) I'll say that's good business to take the competent person out of equity and put them in your office, because whoever replaced that person, and I think I know who it was, was a fucking idiot (laughs) and cost actors thousands. Oh, God. Hundreds of thousands over the years. Oh, my God. Hundreds of thousands of dollars. Yeah. Okay? Gracia, I'll say it's facts. <laughs> so I, I had my job back. I got to do, I, I believe that was between three and four, and then I got to do four, and then uh, the same thing happened again. I was actually with Aaron on a trip to Joyce's cabin in Michigan, and I get a call from Andrew, you need to come back. I have to see you today. And you know what that and, is. Well, everyone else in the city did but me. I didn't know. Uh, more, I was more, really like, oh, maybe I'm, they're way. bringing yeah. me downtown. This is yes, exciting. Yes. And, yeah, it was to say, like, bye-bye. And then they learned from their lessons, so they closed the show and put a whole group, you know, existing group to open. A new show. A best of. Ah. A best of. And off I was. <laughs> so. And now I will say you've definitely made more money since that firing <laughs> from Second City. Yes. And so that that is a rule. You you know, the jobs may change. You'll make more money somehow <laughs> if you get fired by Second City at Second City. Yeah, it was heartbreaking though. Of course. Oh my god. You're gosh. with your friends and you're the one. Yeah. And 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 I'm guessing some of those cast people went to ETC then. Oh, and yeah. on and on and, and on, on and, and on you're and there on. in Chicago. It was it was a real heartbreak. It took me a long time and good therapy to work through that one but but just because it was such a dream and I loved every second of it like I was one of those people that I love touring like people are like I hate I every time I went into a fresh little motel I was like this is so exciting I just loved it so much yeah I mean you were cut out for the touring um and so were you was there a gap there before you came back and started doing stuff Yeah, because really their corporate stuff, as I mentioned, and and it's gone too long for us to really dive deep as I want into the corporate stuff, and we can hit that, and we'll get sh- maybe Shan off. Oh, we got God. that free person with Shan off. Personal life. Yeah. yeah. Mm, oh, well, I'm right here. I think so. Oh Jesus yeah. Christ. Next to you, Joe. Next to you. Next to the two of us. Then <laughs> Shan. So, you know, no, no. Always the people in the room are the funniest. <laughs> um, but yeah, maybe we'll tell that story later. But it was a few years really before Bizco started. Like I said, Tourco kind of handled everything. And again, this is now, now they're starting to, departments are happening. You know, it's not Joy saying, you go out and do this thing because there's more work coming perhaps and they need this department. And Joe Keefe was an alum who was still working there and he put that all together. And then you were working there at the beginning. So, so just for today, tell me about the beginnings of BizCo and then we'll, we'll, we'll say our goodbyes and maybe come back again. Okay. That would be fantastic. Uh, They had been doing them because Joyce actually started that very early on, right. like so she little would ones still do here co- and there. But would she send the the tour co or was uh, it sometimes a separate they were group? patch co okay. type things? Yeah, and then when Joe took it over, I I think I I think I was pretty early on in that. I, I believe, believe you so. Were. And uh, in the beginning, was writing a lot more than I ended up doing. I ended up acting and directing more. Um, and I know, you know, I missed the whatever. It well, in the beginning, <laughs> it was just kind of a one, it was one crew kind of doing everything. Yep. And then what happened is you'd have Furman would write the scripts or whatever. So great. Yeah. And, and, and again, these are, you would only need one or two tailored scripts that again, just right. get the names in there and everybody will laugh. And then you just use the best of material. Yeah. And it's like a Turco show in that way. Yeah. Uh, obviously you don't, you can't in your set do the same swearing and things like that, but then as it expanded, yeah, it went from that little crew, and they took some of those parts out, um, which we can get into later, and then had had these departments doing it. But you were still there with the directing and, and in the shows and everything yep. like that. And then uh, at some point, I can't remember if it was with Joe or Tom Yorton, that 
I suddenly was creative director of BizCo. And, and then, what is that? A title. Okay. Um, did it come with money? <laughs> it did, okay, actually. Then. then who gives it a did. shit? Yeah. It was, and, and it just, the like, the um, responsibilities were just making sure that the writing was happening and tailored right and that the shows, the little um, preview shows that we would do for yes. the client yes. all went accordingly. Oh, and I, I proofread every script, which just became because a skill of mine. You had been in so much of the BizCo that nobody really was probably more equipped to just to comment on what was going on. Is oh. this what we do? Because oh. you had seen it. Well, that's why they give you that title. <laughs> um, they should have had you direct other shows, too, and everything. All right, so so we're going to end here today. Okay. But maybe we'll I did do Vegas. I directed you directed Vegas, Vegas that's yeah. right. With the carrot dangle of you'll come back and do Chicago. And the carrot dangle is another thing that is always out there. (laughs) And, and I don't, again, I I can't speak to anything from the past 10 years. Uh, I've gone to a couple of shows and everything, but it seems like these, these, these cultural, uh, habits are, are just endemic and have, have just forever been (laughs) bad hiring, bad firing, no information given. And yet we still, come back love and do it, it and we love, love it, it love it like that's if anything because i i really don't want to go negative no. at all i it is the greatest thing i met my very favorite people in the world from there it's just i really the good the way pot, outweighs way the bad. outweighs way 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 outweighs and even people that i once had a little chip with it's like time is a beautiful salve I'm, <laughs> just, I'm, uh, yeah i'm almost there too not quite <laughs> you'll get there yeah, it took me a while yeah <laughs> There, there needs to be some more want to. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right. Well, I don't want to end this, but I think we should. And, and, and maybe we'll do a BizCo roundtable and okay. then we'll tell all the awful stories. Because oh. that BizCo story has more drugs than any Turco show oh my God. story I ever did. Oh I'll just say that. Yeah. All right. Thank you, Tracy, so thank much. Thank you so much, Joe. This is such a pleasure. Thank great. you. Thank you. Thanks for listening to another episode of Second Citizens. I'm your host, Joe Canale, asking you nicely to follow us on Twitter at Second Citizens or on Instagram at Second Citizens Pod. Also, since you're listening, why don't you give us a five-star rating and any kind of review that you like, good or bad, as long as that rating is five-star. And if it's a funny enough review, maybe I'll even read it in an episode. I don't fear insults.